0: Asalaamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh, my dear brothers, sisters, friends and the foes out there and welcome to another episode of a much anticipated and long overdue episode of the Blood Brothers podcast with your host, Dili Hussein. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind all the avid podcast listeners to subscribe to the Five Pillars YouTube channel and of course you will find us on all the major audio platforms. Before I also introduce the guest, I want to give a shout out to my local football team, Queen's Park Crescents. The brothers were kind enough to give me this training jersey. They're a local team from my local area and it's a team whose predecessors uh, goes back to twenty, thirty years when many of our elders used to play. May Allah give you guys all the success on the pitch, off the pitch, in this life and the next. I mean, now, Hi. today's guest is someone who I've been very, very excited to have on. I've actually purposely delayed him coming on because I felt that the time and the subject had to be appropriate and relevant. He is someone who is a community activist. He is someone who uh, many of the youth look up to from where he comes from. Um, we're going to find out more about what he actually does now and more interesting what he did in the past, and that is none other than our dear brother Riaz Khan. Assalamu alaikum. Wa Did you say foes? Yeah, you got foes as well watching this. You don't think that foes watch our content? (laughs) Friends, family, and I'll do this. Friends, family, and foes. I love it. My dear brother, I'm honoured to have you on.
1: Thank you. I'm very, very honoured. I've been dying to come on this show since the first time you guys started.
0: He better get me on this show, or else. Uh, What was the or else? I was going to get used (laughs) to chambers and for (laughs) us to come down. No, no, bro, you were always going to come on, and it was more of a case of timing and and the honour is mine. Um, let me just kick off with your hometown. Uh, or city. It's Leicester, right? The best place in Europe. Really? Just remember that. According to? For us lot. Achatika, that makes Trust sense. Trust me, yeah. it's the best place. And let me tell you why, as a Bedfordian, Leicester... A what? Someone from Bedford. You what? <laughs> Where's that? It's next to it's <laughs> Luton, man. Why'd you have to make <laughs> me say that? You can't mention Bedford without mentioning Luton. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the I Leicester is Hand in a... Glove. 100%. Leicester is a city which Bedfordians know well because we have the East Midlands train. It goes very quickly to Leicester. Uh, many brothers from the generations before went to study at Leicester University, used to have kick-off with Hindus and Sikh Indian lads there. So one of the things we should always hear about, yeah. brothers are having kickoffs at Leicester University, brothers are having kickoffs. there'll be guys coming from Midlands and all else and there would yeah. be loads of kickoffs. So Leicester University was known where a spot where Hindus, Sikhs and Muslims used to get fights. It was Dimonford University De actually. University, yeah. right? What about Loughborough? Did, did that have any of that? Mm, mm. There's a lot
1: of Bengalis in Loughborough, so I doubt it very much. Uh, what
0: about the University of Leicestershire?
1: No, that's for, for the doctors and the, for the medicine. So all
0: the drama is happening in Demontford? Demontford University, and it's where a d- jungle
1: university, I worked there.
0: And the <laughs> other and the other campus was in Bedford? De oh university. yes, it is, yes, you're right. Right. So that's what I know about Leicester, bro. Is that, is, that, is that pretty much it?
1: Well, we've got the Golden Mile. Okay. It's that like with all the gold shops where all the Hindus live. We've also got the best football team in the land, Leicester City FC.
0: There was a time where you could most definitely have presented that case and you'd be correct. <laughs>
1: I could still kind of present it a little bit. Of course. Um, what else have we got? We've got a good Muslim community, a good Somali community.
0: What's the demographic makeup of Leicester's Muslim community?
1: Uh, it's about 12,000 Somalians, about 40,000 to 50,000 Gujaratis, and not many Pakistanis, a few Bengalis. I don't know what the percentage of Bengalis, I'm not sure.
0: So there's a, so there's a strong Gujarati community
1: there. Massive Gujarati community. Um,
0: and then obviously now a growing Somali community. Yes. Um, the reason why I ask that is because you first came into my radar onto my radar when you were making those quick video vlogs in your car, vexed, and responding to Tommy Robinson, right, or, or to guys who went and committed uh, uh, criminal acts in the name of our faith. Yeah. And those, those videos went viral. And that's when you first came onto my radar. Then later it emerged that you were a hooligan. A casual. We'll get to that okay but before we talk about the difference between a casual and an ultra and what the life of a hooligan was let alone a muslim hooligan
1: oh God, right yeah.
0: did you actually face any racism growing up in leicester
1: of course all the time every as a man much older than you there was turbulent times in the 70s and 80s especially for asians pakistani bengali or and indians You if you're muslim sikh or hindu or black you know yeah. we got a lot of grief from the National Front, from the British Movement Party, you know, if people are, and they didn't care if you're Muslim, Sikh or Hindu. To them you was a Paki. Yeah. And you'd get every single day, it was a, just, it was like a battlefield. You have to go out your house, you have to watch your back, cross the road, make sure there's any gangs walking around. And there were skinheads in those days, they used to have swastikas tattooed on their arm, you know, and this is Zig or Zig Heil. And, mm. you know, yeah, these people fought the generation before fought the Nazis in Germany, and yet these idiots became Nazis, (laughs) which just
0: baffled me, I just didn't understand it. So our forefathers basically came as economic migrants in the 50s, 60s and 70s to find that there's also Nazis here.
1: And yet our forefathers forcibly or voluntarily fought against these people, the Nazis. SubhanAllah.
0: You know, you know, (laughs) I'll ask you something else, right? You know, whenever I've conversed with um, different Muslim communities, elders. Now, I use this term elders, because I don't want to go into perhaps what they're involved with now. Are you trying to say I'm an elder? Know, well, I'm not saying that yet. But I'm saying that whenever I've spoken to elders from East London, Birmingham, Luton, Midlands, there's a similar story, there seems to be a type of chronology that is 60s, 70s, 80s, lots of racism. Right? Teddy boys, Nazis, Skinheads, Combat A Team, National Front, all the variations, all the spectrum. Yeah. Or football hooligans as well. In the yeah. case of Luton In some places. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. In the case of Luton and, and in East German places, the, the hooligans, the racist hooligans used to walk through the Muslim areas or what was the areas of people of colour and they called madness. Mm. Mm. Then there'll be some from the community. They were probably the first or second generation. They kind of like built a fortune when enough's enough. Started smashing some of these guys up. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, Hamdullah. Up up in different cities and towns, Mm. run them out of their areas. Mm -hmm. And then some of the same lot got into things like drugs and that. because to hold down the control of an area, you essentially need to get involved in narcotics at some yeah. point, right? Yeah. Um, because not everyone can be a community vanguard for the rest of their life. People no. need to work and yeah, to support their families. Is yeah. that generally the tale? That's
1: generally the tale. You're <laughs> so spot on. Leicester wasn't, wasn't too bad because when the football scene came in, when well, the casual scene came in, there was a few Asians from different, well, mostly Sikh and Muslims that joined this gang of hooligans, gang, gang casual. So we kind of was a cushion. Towards all the other communities. So they weren't going out beating up Asians and blacks as much as they did previously. Because but they were Muslim and see casuals. And black. Okay. So it was it was it was better Leicester, that's why it was a very, very multicultural firm. Which Alhamdulillah was a good thing, was a blessing in, in disguise. It made things easier
0: for the Asians and black communities in Leicester. Can you explain to our viewers and listeners what the difference between a casual and an ultra is in, in the hooligan football hooligan context?
1: Well in England we don't have ultras. Not okay. really. Ultras a European thing. So what is? So what is an ultra? It's the, they usually dress in black. They have flares, and all it is is carry flags and sing songs about their football team. And then, um, so they don't fight. They do fight. They fight each other. They fight other teams, other ultras. Okay. But they're, they're not. Um, see, with the casual movie, it was different. We had, we had, a, we had a uniform, which was like clothing, but we all looked individual. But we all kind of looked the same. If you get, well it really yeah, yeah, weird. Okay. We so like, so what? Did you rest on island? And all that. Yeah, kind Stone nine CP Fila. Yeah, uh, Armani, you know, things that were in fashion then. I mean, okay. CP and Stone are still in fashion yeah, now. But in those days, we used to wear tennis gear, golf gear. Then we started wearing the Paninaro look, which yeah, was like yeah, the Stone I, Island I, stuff. I,
0: did you ever wear Hackett? I love Hackett. Yeah, what?
1: No. You didn't like Hackett? No, no, no. I didn't like Hackett. It. it wasn't for me. I learned no, no, lads wore yeah. Paul and Shark and yeah. Hackett, I, I and I couldn't get into it. Ben Sherman? I couldn't get into that, neither. Sorry, mate. Stone. <laughs> yeah, of course. Stone Island, yes. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Well, well, I watched it on 986, first time I wore it. Did,
0: did the casuals, did, did casuals ever wear Rockports?
1: Yeah, shoes. Well, they wore them. Um, it was like. Early 90s, what because brothers reports. in Bradford
0: used to wear them with tracksuits. Yeah, I'm I asking
1: whether casuals wore them with we wore them briefly, but I, I'll, I stopped going then because okay. either rock ports or Timbaland boots, the Gore Tex ones, yeah. And I had the Timbaland boots, not the rock ports, because all the Asians had drop ports, yeah,
0: yeah. It was very, very popular. So, so t- how did this whole casual thing come about? So, so you faced racism naturally as we at w- school and school and yeah. places, and, and 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 you know, brothers and sisters, when we talk about or when Brother Riyaz speaks about this, which we're not going to go into much detail, it is racism that is so normalized that it's just was just the parts and parcel of the language wasn't it?
1: It was on television, it was called, people making jokes with using the p word, the n word, even you know, people paint their faces black and think they were black and have Mm. accents like Jamaican accents, Mm. you know, just it was just blatant racism but they didn't care because that was their culture. They did not care that it offended us that hurt our feelings, they didn't care. I remember my dad, there was a joke on um, Huey Green used to have a thingy, I think it was Opportunity Knox, a program from way back. And the comedian came on, so it was like all these people that wanted to become famous. So, you know, like they got the Britain's Got Talent stuff. But it's called Opportunity Knox then. And one of them made a joke about Pakistanis and my dad got so so he wrote a letter to Hugh Green and Hugh Green replied back to him say he apologised you know he didn't mean to hurt his feelings and this. that's how blatant it was in those days now they can't get away with it no chance because uh, you know
0: there's, there's, there's a fair amount of political correctness yes. that you need to be aware of yeah. um, I had a brother on um, a little while ago same season his name was Attic Malik he's a lawyer from Luton and he basically yeah, a bit younger than you uh, but a bit older than me kind of between us <laughs> yeah. um, and he said look in Luton, we had, I had a headmaster that was basically talking about how Asians smell of curries in the assembly.
1: We do that all the time. It, it, it
0: was as casual as that. Yep. We know that they smell, Yeah. right? And I was just like, I, I was taken back. I was like, because I would regard myself as the 9-11 generation. We grew up when 9-11 happened, 7-7 and everything else that followed. When I now visit students at uni... Uh, yeah. They're 18, 19, 20, 21 They weren't even born when 9-11 mm. happened So you start realising how much you are actually ageing And how things have moved <laughs> yeah. But the culture and the sentiments And some of the themes that we experienced In different generations are very much still there Don't you think? Towards our community People of colour, Asians, Muslims now Muslims Now We're the new Muslim, Jews yeah. We're the new Irish Yeah, and I think, I think we're Muslims A bit more civilizational. Because it's not yeah. just within the borders of the yeah. Union, right? Because the beef with IRA was within the British Isles. Yeah. yeah. The beef with the Jews was within Europe. Yeah. The issue with the Muslims it's it it, it's, it's yeah, it's it is this worldwide and it's global. Um. So tell me how the casual thing happened. How did
1: just I used to hang around Asian gangs because we hung we hung around gangs for protection. Yeah. Against the Nazis, the racists, and the National Front lot. And so one day I was in the I was with a gang of the Asian lads. It we was a mixed bunch. of Sikh and Muslim and Hindus because we had to stick together because of our colour of our skin. Like you mentioned earlier, and I seen a gang of lads walking past me, and they're well dressed. I mean, there was a black lad who was leading these. There was about ten of them. There's a black lad, who's a rasta, and he had like a feel of raincoat on. He had like these jeans and tra- just trains and the guys are following him, dressed very similar, but they all had their unique style and they looked really smart and they look like a little military unit, mm. and that's what kind of drew me to them because they looked like they were disciplined. Whereas those Asians we weren't disciplined, we were just junglies, you know what I mean, we yeah, just, yeah. you know, you could, anyway. Yeah, we were just kung fu slippers and yeah, perms, you know, in those days, because we used to into martial arts. And baggy checkered shirts and stuff. In those days it was, I can't even remember, stretch jeans and kung fu slippers and just C&A tops, you know, just things that, were just, C- yeah, just, you know, <laughs> CNA. that's just, so old school. Yeah, you got know what I mean, just old, just... Normally looking lads, not even well dressed. We thought we were well dressed, we weren't. There just wasn't a style, no, there wasn't a defining style. No, there wasn't. Right? With the Asians, it was like Bollywood, Hollywood right, so yeah, style. Yeah, you yeah,
0: know. yeah. So, so, when so you saw these guys, they were in like Stoney, the no,
1: they were in Fila, Chichini, Lionel Scott, uh, Pringle, Bleach Jeans, Puma Trains, Adash Trains. You know, they look different. Deer Stalkers, Trilby hats, they look completely different.
0: And you saw these guys,
1: and I thought, Whoa, look at these guys! I'm gonna say to my mate, who are these like? Because that's such and such, I don't want to say his name and that's the baby squad. That's what they were called. The baby squad. Because they're very young, they're like 16, 17. I was like 17 years old then, and they were very young looking. So they're like 16, 17 years old. And I said, look at us. I was just, I was in awe of them. Subhanallah, so, you know, we're supposed to have in awe of our you know, people like, you know, like Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we're in awe of those yeah. people and Sahaba, Kareem. Mm. I was Jahil. I mean, I went to Masjid. You know, the, the old days of Madras, before your time, mm. we used to get battered. We, we used to, all we did was how to read the Quran. If we'd said one love that was wrong, we'd get whipped for it. Would yeah? get laid in from some <laughs> brother, from Mulana, from back home. Yeah, yeah. They'd bring him over and they were teaching us Quran only, not Sunnah. Problem. Some
0: anger issues of himself. that just meeting out on oh, you guys. <laughs>
1: I used to make us do the in the corner yeah. <laughs> for five minutes, ten minutes. Well, I've got strong legs from it. Yeah, but, of course, strong but, um, they used to But they used to batter, They'd never taught us about Islam, the beauty of Islam. Islam about the hadith, about the Rasulullah never yes, talked yes. about the Sahaba Kareem nothing, just about how to read the Quran if you don't read it properly you're going
0: to in, hell
1: if you don't read it properly you going to hell guna guna guna, so I rejected Islam really? I, rege- I rejected it Well, I was sick, I I'll never class myself as a Muslim because I was doing so much haram well, Rejected as
0: rejected, rejected the faith or apostate?
1: I don't know, I was young, so I, okay. I mean, there was one bit of Iman in me, a little bit, I celebrate Eid, for example, and if, any more, Muslim, if Muslims were getting bullied by someone, I said, leave them alone because it's asso- was a Muslim.
0: Cultural association? Yeah, I just I
1: detached myself away from it. I didn't pray. I did all the things that were haram. Mm. I don't want to go into details, no, no, but enough. you know, I, I, all the things that were not supposed to do, I was doing, because I was not taught the beauty of Islam.
0: Would you say you had an identity crisis at that time?
1: Absolutely. 100%, I didn't want to be Pakistani, I didn't want to be Patan, I didn't want to be Afghani, I didn't want to be Muslim. I wanted to be white. It sounds weird, but I wanted to be, because at my school, there was only me and my brother, a couple of Asians and one black lad, if I can remember, was it two? And one black girl. That was it, out of two, nearly 1,500 kids. Wow. And we got abused nearly every single day for it. Even though it might have been banter, it might have been teasing, but we never got battered, we just got teased every single day. And it got, you know- That's bad, sometimes a uh, beating is better. Yeah. Like, but Sometimes the thing Sometimes scrap is better It was social It was conditioning The conditioning is to hate your own colour Hate your own religion
0: Hate your own self So from that How did, how did so, so, so during that period of latter school years Had an Asian gang already formed
1: Yeah I was, We were called the Skankers
0: The Skankers It was yeah. called the
1: FBI first okay. But I don't want to say What that stood for Okay <laughs> Then we got called the Skankers afterwards And that's when I started Hanging around Asian lads And I thought And I couldn't really I don't know what it was I could not gel with them I mean, I just thought they were a little bit backward for me. I know, I know it sounds bad, but they were, they were, they had these old, like the fathers, grandfather generation sort of mentality. And I thought, do I really? I couldn't. At first, it was great because I was hanging around a gang because I never belonged to a gang before. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, being at school, I was even though I had friends at school, but, but they these guys crap. Yeah, some of them they did martial arts, some of them did. So not all thought, of them. So some, some of them did, not all of them.
0: Okay, so when so, so some of them, when it was time to show up, they some showed still, up Some yeah. some didn't. Okay.
1: But there was one gang called the Wongs who, they was all into martial arts and they were all tough. They're great what Yeah. Cause Asians? Talk, uh, sea lads. Yeah. They took the name from the film The Wanderers. Yeah. And they're all Chinese guys that did Kung Fu. Okay. So that's where they got a the name from. So um, there was that gang that could fought. But the gang where I hung, hung around, we just like to chill out and just mess around and, you know, chase girls, basically. Yeah, just you know. chill? Yeah, just chill. Yeah. And uh, only one or
0: two individuals could fight at that gang, really, to be honest with you. But um, So how did the skankers... Well, how did you go, how did you transition from the skankers to becoming a casual? I started dressing like them.
1: I ditched all this button
0: look. Yeah, this, this <laughs> the T&A look. Yeah, that yeah.
1: ditched off I forget. Yeah. And I started wearing more, you know, sporty clothes like, you know, track suits and puma trains and stuff. And I even got my hair very similar to how these lads had it.
0: What was the hairstyle then?
1: There was either flicks or perms, mushroom perms. Okay, cool. That's come back in now. Yeah, it's come back to fashion. See, fashion always yeah it was, yep. because like in a cycle 100% and um so I started dressing like them I started hanging around in the Haymarket and these Asian lads were like I was, I was trying to break away from them and Then one lad saw me he's a mixed race size, half Indian his dad was Anglo-Indian okay wow so he's like an Englishman he was like an Indian English if you yes yes, I mean. yes of
0: course and his mom from was from the English. colonial yeah. era
1: and they was accepted by the British but then when Gandhi came into power mm. they all got booted out yeah, they yeah, all yeah. got ostracized so his dad was one of them and his mum was white so he saw me he was Mark Kelly his name was he saw me he goes he looks at like the way I dress. he goes, I'd never seen down the football. And I goes, what do you mean? He goes, you're dressed like a football lad. A trendy, we used to call him then. And I goes, am I? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew, I kind of knew the baby squad, I didn't know they were football hooligans. So I just this, like the so way they dress. So was this Kelly guy part of the, the baby well, squad? We was, we was called the Whites, yes, the young trendy squad, which was a, an umbrella, baby squad was like an umbrella organisation. And you had little gangs within the baby squad. So we, we said, was,
0: so we said Baby's Cup was like the father organisation?
1: Yeah, it was like they were the main boys. Okay. And we was called the YTS. Okay. So we had our own little gang of Asians, Blacks, Irish, White. We even had a Yugoslavian lad, we was in a Greek lad. Okay. You know, I mean, it was all together. We didn't care about colour of our skin or whatever, if you're rich or poor, just that you can stand your ground and fight and okay. look well. If you dress well as well, and you can have a good laugh. It's about the camaraderie. Okay.
0: For Leicester City Football Club. For
1: Leicester City Football Club. But there was, in each town, there was these gangs yeah. that were dressed similar to us. So every city had one. And every town had one, even Luton had one. Oh. <laughs> Bedford even had one, but oh, even on. it's very, very small. Okay. You know what I mean? Don't I don't think it, Bedford's don't got a football team.
0: You've be, been a football club, isn't that? <laughs> but, I mean, but the sure. Hatters, I, I, I still have an affiliation with the Hatters, come on.
1: What, uh, Watford?
0: No, no, what is Luton's thing? Hatters, hat? yeah, Hatters. It yes, is the right, Hatters, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, they, they just wear the orange hats.
1: Yeah, that's right, yes.
0: Um Okay, tell me about your first football match. It was, I didn't get there, to be honest. You didn't get
1: there? What happened? It was Birmingham way, and apparently my friend to me said to me, Listen, "This, is my first ever thought." He goes, "Right, Saturday we got four, My same guy was speaking, talking about Mark Kelly. Yeah, you got to come be, be playing Birmingham City FC, and their gang are called the Zulus. Okay, and they were black lads. Black guys. Yeah, and I thought, okay, this sounds interesting. A black gang of football hooligan casuals. I thought, wow, this is amazing because I just thought it was a white thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought Leicester was well, predominantly unique. it was. Yeah, yeah, it was working class yeah, white lads. Yeah, yeah. It had middle class white lads as well, yeah. but it was a white thing. Yeah, yeah. Initially, of course, and then all the ethnic minorities getting on it because there was a f- there was this thing about being accepted Belonging, but you don't hear that with Millwall. You don't they've either. got black lads and Turks in yeah. Millwall
0: now they've actually before. Turks say, Yeah, yeah. Okay, before, fair Back in the day who's that really famous black hooligan of West Ham Cas pennant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They made movies about him and stuff. Yeah, so really So this is Football Factory stuff Football Factory is more
1: it's fantasized, I think. It, Obviously, it always not, is,
0: but 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 are
1: there any remnants of I tell you what it is, the firm. That's very similar the firm, to it was. Yeah? Not the Gary Oldman one, Which the one that came out in two thousand nine by okay. Nick Love. So so you said that's more accurate. That's more accurate than no, the others.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um Tell me about the first, semester. so did you, you You didn't end up scrapping them? No? no,
1: I was at college at the time, so my okay. dad was giving me money. He wanted me to become a doctor, you know, he wanted my son, brother to become a pilot, my sister to become a lawyer. He wanted us to get, you know, to be in these high sort of places so and go back to Pakistan and say, yeah. look at my sons, look at my children, they this, they that, you know, be proud of, Know, be proud of his standard kids standard expectations yeah. of the vast majority if we of do that now students, <laughs> you know I mean? we still do that and we want our kids to be better than the dean. that's why with my kids i don't care if they're registered sweepers. i want them to learn their dean. i want them to be better in their dean, but it's a struggle alhamdulillah subhanallah it's a struggle and the more we struggle the more we get rewarded for him yeah, inshallah but it's tough because you've got so much distraction out there sure. it's worse for the kids now than it was for us when we were kids alhamdulillah we had only a few distractions these kids have got it left right and center i don't know how they how they can Allah of make know, things easy. I for mean, them. I mean, it's, it's a real tough fight for them. Subhanallah, it really is.
0: So you know your irreligious period, yes. where you disconnected from the faith and to some degree the kind of culture as well. Was that during this time?
1: Yeah. Yeah? Yes, it was. So my first match, let's get back to that subject, so digress yeah, a little
0: yeah, bit. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: No, fine, that's fine. Got to a train, got to a train station, less train station, it was like 10.30 in the morning, so like 11 o'clock or whatever it was, and there's this ocean of array of colours and people and mixed people as well, black, white, mixed race, Asian. I was like, this is it. This I is what I thought, this is my calling. I thought this is it, this is I what I belong to. Sorry? Do you feel like I found a family? I found my calling. I just found out, but all the years where I didn't accept it wasn't accepted because of the colour of my skin or wasn't accepted because I was this packy yeah. or whatever. I found my calling here because I saw brown faces, white faces, black faces. But the common factor was there were less city fans and they dressed very, very similar. So I found my calling. That's what I thought. I found
0: my calling here. Shall Sam, bruv. It's mad because whether you're talking about casuals or whether we talk about gangs today, let's, talk, let's, let's not get into how values and practices and honour has changed amongst the various kind of people involved in these kind of things. But this sense of masculine belonging is crazy because I believe that's generational. And for the fathers that listen to this podcast... If you are not strong male role models, right? And by, we're not talking about beyond just being able to provide, being able to support financially. We're talking about an alpha masculine qawam person to follow. Then you will find belongings elsewhere. I say to my dad till this day, Riyaz, I said, dad is so sad that even though I loved you all my life, I started only looking up to you and valuing what you did when I became practicing. Before that, it was the local Budman. it was Scarface, it was Tupac. I'm being serious yeah, bro, those, no, those right, were my role right, models bro.
1: You're right bro. And
0: I, told, and I told my dad, it's so sad that I only started looking up to you and valuing your struggles and understanding how you raised us and why you raised us the way you did after I became practising. Prior to that, you were not my role model. I'll even say this on camera, when my older brother became practising, I felt that him becoming practising was weak because there was, because being religious was associated to being weak and being passive, do you understand? So, it comes as no surprise.
1: You just said to note there, because um, exactly the same thing happened to me, I didn't I, I love my father, like you said, but I didn't value him until I became a Muslim, so I started maddening. practicing. I
0: think that's one of the beauties yeah. of our reformation, bro. Like one that. of the beauties of reforming in the context of Muslim minorities in the West is that you begin to appreciate your parents' struggles. I mean, let's not even go into our mothers. Like, that's, complete, that's, right. that's a completely different conversation, yeah. Right? What they, what they had to probably put up with. But we start appreciating the struggles of our elders when we start becoming more God-conscious. Other than that, we seek belonging and acceptance elsewhere. Sorry, now it's my phone. Yeah. So why I'm saying this <laughs> to you, because we have fathers and you know, aspiring fathers watching this podcast. If you are not that role model at home, We're not telling you to become cringe in becoming cool. We're not saying to become brethren or friends with your sons. There needs to be boundaries, but you need to be the Rujal. You need to be that strong father figure beyond financial support. Absolutely. So you don't seek that belonging elsewhere. When we moved in gangs, I remember we enjoyed what you guys did for us. You guys fought the races, we fought ourselves. (laughs) Is that not true bro? That's true Yeah, yeah. Mo- The vast majority of Muslim gangs In these major cities They're fighting each other They're killing each other it's They're stabbing mad. each other it's mad Yeah So I'm saying that we, we have the Dare I say the word The luxury to do this with impunity Because the racists were fought off By our elders From the generations in the past You were saying about the, our, our brothers fighting each other There's an
1: incident recently in Leicester Where a young Somali boy was Battered to death Well stabbed Stamped on, hit mm. with our but over drugs. He's only 18 years old. The guy's got 20 odd years in prison each, 25, 28 years in prison. But look at that. Look from what we was doing in the 70s and 80s well, while I was a kid then. You. Now look what's happened. It's just gone upside down. And you're right. We don't have, we paved the way for you guys to have a softer life. But now, you, you not pay, you, you personally. You, no, 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 you. you
0: paved the way for our generations to take that absolute, <laughs> bro. Yeah. You're right. that's, that, no, that's what's happened. You're right, we've turned, turned against each other. Because there was something honourable about Absolutely. defending your areas. Absolutely. There was something honourable about defending the taxi driver, the takeaway Absolutely. owner, the auntie, the uncle Absolutely. who get harassed. There was something honourable about that. There was something yeah. honourable about not going to someone's yard. There was something honourable about not calling people out publicly involving their womenfolk. Yeah. There Absolutely. was something honourable about not using tools, unless it was tool for tool.
1: In the 90s. Unless it was tool for tool. When I started practicing in the 90s, saying that right, we used to have a little gang in Leicester. Mm. Uh, We used to have fights with the local drug dealers because they were hassling the Muslim community. So Mm. we ganged up, we formed together, and we battered them. They were pimps, we battered them, got rid of the prostitutes out of the area, we was protecting the Muslim community. We became like radicals, they used to call us radicals, fundamentalists. They used to call us uh, vigilantes. But I love that label because we were radicals, we were fundamentalists. Sound like
0: community vanguards to me.
1: Exactly, I love that label. Now we get called extremists or terrorists or whatever now because they've twisted the narrative now. Mm. But that time was protecting the Muslim community, and it was a good thing because we had love for each other. We would not fight each other. We would not fight our own. We would not hurt our own. We'd get those that wanted to hurt our community, and we did a very good job. But now it's gone upside down. I don't know what's happened.
0: Tell me about. Um, we're still on the. We're still on the conversation about your first match, and I, and I and I'm still want to be curious about how we didn't end up go, how you didn't end up getting there. You just, you there. just uh, kind of mentioned
1: my mentioned my father, and it kind of it hit me because my father passed away f- about four years ago, and I never said
0: to him that I loved him. That's when, when you said that, it kind of really sort of hit home. We pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to his uncle the highest station in Jannah for us, and you unite, you're united with him in Paradise, Amin. where you can tell him for eternity how much you love him, my brother. Yeah, inshallah,
1: because he, he did struggle. He struggled so much and we was naughty, all four of us. We've got four brothers. My sister went to university and still mm. got a degree, but us four brothers, we made it hell for them. And we didn't realise until we started practising what hell we put them through. So any youngsters out there, please just love your parents while they're alive, because when they go, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life.
0: And don't give them a hard time. No, don't. We don't understand, they, parents, they will have sleepless nights, many nights. They, no matter how old you are, do you know, my dad still checks up on me. Have you got no sure He still checks up on me. And again, these were things where before I'm like, why are you doing my head in? I used to blank his calls in Jahaliya, which is like, yeah. why are you blowing my phone up for? Yeah. I don't want to hear from you in whatever environment mm. I was in. Mm. But now I long for these calls. Mm. So the point here is, without us super digressing to how much we should love our parents, the point here is, my dear brothers and sisters, parents and children, youngsters alike, family is something that's decaying in our societies. It is something which uh, Westerners and British think tanks are, are, are admitting that the institution of the family is, is decaying to a degree where we may not be able to control. we don't know what the repercussions of it are, will be, but we are seeing the repercussions of it. We're seeing high crime rates, we're seeing um, high drug and, and uh, vice usage, we're, we're seeing all kinds of problems, single, single parenthood, teenage pregnancies, we're seeing all of these kinds mm. of things, right? So what we're saying is that just build good families and don't give parents a hard time. Exactly. I think that's fair,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. I'm down with that 100%. Anyway, let's get back to and no, 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 Back back
0: to getting <laughs> yeah. smashed and smashing. So,
1: so I got on the train and I thought, wow, this is my... I found my calling. I found my belonging. I belong to this. And one of my school friends was there. I hadn't seen him for years, well, two years. And he was a hooligan. He was a squad, member of the Baby Squad. He was one of the main guys, no. so I walked hooked up and I said, yes, what's happening, bro? I didn't say bro, but Yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. His name was risen, and I started talking to him, and I thought, this is it. And I got off the train station. I remember coming out coming up New Street in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and everybody was looking at us, and I felt, I felt like a pop star. I felt, yeah, attention know, and I just felt, yeah, I mean, they're looking at us. These, these are normal people. Yeah. So sort a of gang of lads, about 70 of us, all well-dressed, looking at us, thinking, who are these kids. And I felt proud for that moment. I just felt proud. And I am coming out of the train station. I remember going, it's fine, it's fine. Sorry, it's cool. I remember going past this bridge. In those days, we saw a bridge you can walk across to the yeah, other side. Yeah. And it was like a glass panel, all these Afros were looking down at us. And I looked at us and I seen all these young black lads with big Afros looking down at us. And I thought, who were them not looking at? I, did, I didn't know who they were. The Zulus. The Zulus. <laughs> and my friend one is black lads called Derek. He goes, "They here lads, here they are, they are." And all these black lads come running down and going, "Ooh, ooh!" And they make some Zulu, Zulu, make some chanting noise, and it just kicked off. You ever seen the film The Wanderers? Yes. At the end when it kicks off, of course, oh, of course, it was just like that. And I was like, "What the?" It was, it was electrified. It was, it was.
0: I can never you can't describe the feeling you can I don't encourage, I don't encourage no, anyone no, no, no. Right? tell me but, about your individual your yeah. personal contribution in that kick Right
1: I was scared Yeah I was excited I was uh the adrenaline just kicked in I couldn't control it it was just mad it was a mad feeling It was a rush I never had in my
0: life Let me ask you something Never had in my life Did you did running away pass your mind
1: No because I, right I was right in the middle of it, okay. so I, him, I had his umbrella. It was like a flick umbrella, you know, from pound stretch from Yay. years ago. And I saw his ginger head guy with spots, like a real bad case of acne, going, come on then, come on then, bouncing in front of me. So I went to whack him with the umbrella, and next thing got lifted up in the air. I thought, my legs were going like this, I'm thinking, what the hell is this? And I said, you're Nick Sunshine. That's how the cops used to speak in those days, <laughs> you're Nick Sunshine. And, he, and I thought, oh, no, my dad's going to kill me. So there's no connection? I didn't even hit the guy. And you didn't get hit? No, I didn't get you hit. You got lifted before I that? I got lifted and thrown in the back of the van. <laughs> and there was this black lad called Paddy. Yeah. And he was getting battered in this van by these coppers. Two coppers were beating the hell out of him. right? They, him a, they were calling him a black bead, They were calling him the N-word. And I was sitting just next to him while was he was it, getting battered. Was he it, a was it Zulu? No, no, he was a blessed the lad. Okay, Paddy's name yeah, was. Yeah. And he could take a beat. He was tough. Ugly but tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he could take a beating. And I was sitting there frightened scared out How of my life 17. Scared out of my life I Think these coppers are going to turn on me now because they had the trunches out though they, they were really going to town this kid yeah, yeah, yeah. really good he was Paddy was like 18 then he was, they were really going to turn on him I was like I didn't want to make eye contact and the cop looked at me and I was like pull hand down and another three or four lads got in the van as well and I thought oh, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna die and my dad's gonna kill me I sort of thought with my dad he's gonna kill me he's gonna kill me because I've never been arrested before He's going to kill me, he's going to kill me that's from the poison of in the cell I'm Paddy getting escorted somewhere else yeah. I'm looking at his ooh uh, ooh, ah, ooh. Beats. Was getting, he was getting beats all day he was getting beats because apparently he threw a copper over his shoulder and broke his collarbone in those oh, days oh, then you're getting beats yeah you're getting, you're, you're, you're getting
0: beats for that because they're
1: a firm on their own of course they're, football they're, firms, the firm. they're the biggest firm. they're the biggest they the biggest
0: gang they're the biggest firm Absolutely. on the streets we've, we've
1: always said that state-funded gang that's what they are
0: in the same as state-funded terrorism it's the same thing the biggest gangs the Absolutely. bigger mafiosis are these guys Absolutely. people forget that by the way Governments and institutions are the biggest gangsters. 100%. J- just because they dress better and speak better and are more sophisticated in the Western world, the same is in the East what is in the West.
1: Especially the Tories. <laughs>
0: 100%. Uh, quick Tories. one. So when was your first kickoff? Uh, where, where it actually, where you scrapped?
1: There's been many. I can't remember, the, fir- the, okay. I can't remember the very first Tell one. Birmingham the- was kind of the first one. Then there was Southampton at home, which was no no, no go. Then I don't know, what, I think was it was Everton after that. Did you ever face Millwall? Yeah, of
0: course. Well, are they as vicious as people describe them to be?
1: You know, I'll tell you a story about Millwall. They came to Leicester in the 80s. We went to their ground in the milk cup, I think it was 85. And it was night game, it was a Tuesday night, I was petrified. Because all I could hear was, throughout the game, was a uh,
0: That's like a uh,
1: non-stop throughout the game. And I was thinking, oh my God, what is that noise? It was a haunting ground. It was a haunting ground, but I done, nothing happened to me. Even though we broke away, as 25ers broke away from the main escort, was, they were throwing missiles at us, trying to get us across the pitch. The police were fighting us and fighting them. It was, it was horrible. They came to Leicester, I think a couple of seasons, maybe the same season, a couple of seasons later. And uh, there was about 10 of them. And we surrounded them, it was about 80 of us. And these 10 or 15 lads, or black lads and white lads, Millwall lads, they're a little bit older than us, they formed a semicircle and they got into a boxing stance.
0: Oh God, these are all boxers. They're
1: all boxers. And every time our top boys went in, they'll get
0: knocked down. Bam, 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 Cause that's it. That's, that's what they do. Cause, Cause once you get someone who knows how to box, counter, slip, oh. you're in trouble now in the street point. Proper trouble. Cause box is the best street form of 100%, fighting. Yeah. They Say Mutai because Bo- I used to do Boxing Mu-tai, boxing kickboxes. Box, three. I think
1: boxing's the best. Yeah. is good because yeah. you only use your feet once or twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But boxing's good because you're slipping you Of course, you weaving your. Oh, all day long. And you're fighting with your hands. And then wrestling, obviously, on top of it because you're always grappling and Of course, and clothes grabbing, through. lapel grabbing, yeah. all that stuff. But these guys were semicircle and the lads were going in. There's about 80 of us. There's about 15, 10, 15 of them. Bam, bam,
0: bam. Bam, 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 up, up, bam. up bam, bam, throw. Boom, bam, bam, bam. Oh, it's God. like they were dropping.
1: And I said, I'm not going nowhere near these guys. When was, the,
0: when was the first time you were in a scrap where there were tools? Tools? Uh, Ooh, yeah. uh, well, Stanley Lives, you mean? Yeah, Stanley's.
1: That was Everton was one. Uh, Newcastle Adam as well. It was Everton. I remember that we, we, just, we got some of the some fans came past, we steamed into them. Yeah. I remember kicking his Everton fan. He went through the like house windows, terraced houses. Yeah. Did a flying kick, you know, because I used to do karate then. Sure. And he went straight through the window, sort of thing. And then, as we came round the corner, we'd done them. As we came round the corner, there was their firm came. We came round the corner. There was about forty to fifty of them come running down. And I remember we steamed straight into him. It was a massive brawl. It was great. It was a great brawl. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Boom, 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 boom. And next thing you know, I remember I sort of stopped because we got we, we was doing them, and I thought, and I saw the two top boys were fighting. One of our top boys was a white lad. He was tough. And he was their top boy and they were fighting, they were just bam bam bam, just scrapping with just those two were fighting. So I stopped. I was, once, I was watching these two, it was like a boxing match. And I seen this other guy, the Everton fan, pull out his blade in one motion, and went whoosh, and I slashed the guy straight across his face. He dropped like a sack of potatoes holding his face like that. There's blood everywhere. And that intensified the fighting because when we seen that happen, it, goes it, off. it went mental, yeah. it ran down the road but then he would still hold on the floor holding his face. He had a massive Mars bar on his face. Nice guy. You know, the the Leicester firm, they used to be racist before the blacks and Asians joined them because they were skinheads. They used to go packy bashing. But when this casual movement came, which no one tells you about, it broke down all the race barriers, especially in Leicester, Birmingham, Luton, all those sort of places, it broke down all the racial barriers, which no political think tank's ever done. They tried it, but they never- factions? They've Mm. always failed. Mm. Politicians, pop stars, film stars, priests, whatever you want to call them, vicars or whatever, none of them has broke down those barriers. We broke those barriers down. Then the rave scene came in, which broke down the barriers even more because it was about acid house and about taking and, drugs. yeah can see, yeah. yeah. So they,
0: they, they said that for, for about a th- good couple of years yeah. because of the rave culture, it decreased uh, terrorist hooliganism, didn't it? Because everyone yeah. was next ecstasy scene and it acid. Destroyed it? It. it destroyed it. And then kind of everyone kind of flushed out. To, well, I'm talking now maybe in a London context and context, a lot of the olders or the top guys went into security and yeah. went to button the doors and yeah. stuff. Um, I started peddling the drugs as well. Exactly. Um, were you ever called a Paki by a fellow casual?
1: Yeah, by away fans. By away fans? Yeah, Everton. I was called now, but a I'm talking about from your own. Chelsea. Um, from Les- Baby Squad or from... No, a- not from the Baby Squad, no. Because there was Asians already in the firm. So okay. there were two older lads already in the firm. There were seat lads and there was a Pakistani lad as well who was in the firm. Okay. He's older than me. He's, he was a hooligan from 1972. Okay, wow. And he was, ex- he was accepted wow. by the Baby Squad, yeah. So he's, there were three Asian lads already in the firm. And there was more of us coming in, so it's about altogether about twenty-five Asians in that firm of lads, and black lads and white lads. So we never called a packy by our own firm. Maybe the idiots called us packies that weren't part of the firm, mm. but, but um, they weren't dare call us packies because we're this gang of five hundred lads. Mm. Who's going to call you a packy from Leicester? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you've got all these lads with you. Tell me about the path to reformation. When did this all stop? I went into the house scene, acid house, started mm. taking okay. the illegal substances mm. and. I got my high from that. Instead of the football violence,
0: which was a natural high, I started getting an artificial high. And thousands did that by the way, yes. didn't they? Yes. Thousands, if not tens of thousands of casuals and hooligans across the country got involved in that the transition to that transition violence
1: to-, to, to Partying know, to drugs. And war and not making war, making love instead. That, that sort of notion yeah. of the hippie lifestyle. And i transitioned from the football yob, well, the casual scene to this acid house scene. And it was just over a summer, 1989. But it didn't last that long though, did it? Last a couple of years, no? Yeah, a couple of years, 1989 to ninety one. I stopped in about 1990, mm. beginning of 91 because I had a bad trip. Flipping couldn't get out of it. It was horrible, I couldn't right. get out of it. And it made me very paranoid. And then I became insular. I didn't want to speak to people. I, I tried to avoid my friends because they thought I'd gone weird because they wanted to go out and take drugs and party and go here, and I couldn't do it anymore. Because every time I took drugs, I just got, just freaked out. Freaked out, I got paranoid. Alhamdulillah. You know what? If it wasn't That's for good. that. Because if you
0: had a feeling of continuous enjoyment, you wouldn't stop it. I would have been still into and right now. Yes.
1: Alhamdulillah. You know so,
0: what I so, mean? So, so, so again, yes, me, so, What about. happened was I had a bad trip.
1: And for about 18 months, I was in a very, very dark place. I mean, I had, n- I had no job. All I did was smoke weed and listen a gangster rap. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, you know, this sort of S, Ice Cubans, just uh, in my bedroom, just living day by day, trying to get a drug, trying to get a draw, which was cannabis, trying to get that every day. And when I once got it, I'd stay at home, listen to rap music, smoking weed in my bedroom. And uh, then what happened was I started working in London. I was working in Notting Hill Gate and Portobello Road, I was selling stuff on the street. Like they were bugging in knots. We would were street I was a street trader at the weekends. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to this old bookshop and I saw this book. It was a Penguin edition of the Quran. I liked the cover. It was really nice. It was like very similar to this sort of thing, but it was beautiful artwork on it. So I picked it up. It was in English. I said, it was quite big and I thought, okay, I'll buy this. And it was dead cheap, two quid or something. Mm-hmm. Took it home. Um, left it on the shelf. Look, it gathered Go, dust, as it always does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of and then uh,
0: I remember, I was, you know, like I said, I was in a really dark place. I was rock bottom. When you say do- when you when you say dark are you talking about emotionally, thoughts, thoughts identity, spirituality, belief, everything, everything life, small, everything.
1: big, everything. I, everything thought, would- I think I had jinn on me I, because I used to have whispers in my ear calling me this, calling me names. Mm. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was, my, I thought it was schizophrenia or something but it wasn't. It was definitely a gin whispering in my ear, calling me horrible names. Mm. Why don't you commit suicide, why don't you kill yourself, why don't you do this, you're useless, you're, you're, you're you know, oh. these sort of things. Then this Tabliki brother. Yeah. Allah bless the Tbilik brothers, you know what, what? I mean, they make effort, they do make effort They do effort. great work, bro. Yeah, they do. Even though, I don't totally agree with them, but they, they actually have figured for the ummah.
0: Bro, the thing about the vast majority of Islamic movements and groups, I'm talking the concept of Ahl-Sunnah or those who say they are Sunni, ev- there is khayr in all of them, bro
1: This brother from Tbilik he used to be a bit of a naughty boy He used to sell drugs, he used to go to house raves and stuff and whatever He's knocked on my door and I thought, he had a big beard, shirak rock me, so I thought Looked at him and said, he started giving me dawah. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear this, mate. You know what I mean? I said, Oh, just yeah, come another day, shut the door and run so, up going back inside. I said to my mum, oh, whoever's in there, don't let them guys in the house. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything from them. <laughs> then my brother, who was into the same things I was, he was a year younger than me, he started practicing his deen. He started praying and started doing this, and I thought, and I could see a little change in him. But I I, I reject I thought, oh, you know, Shaitan tells yeah. you. That, oh, don't go near him. So your, your younger brother was a casual as well. Yeah, he was. Yes. And so was two of
0: us. So he started practicing before me. Before you.
1: Yeah, and then I was like, oh no, don't hang around. Oh no, he's gone all religious. Oh no, I don't want to hear it. No, you know. And then, like I said, I was rock bottom. Then that guy came around my house again. They're persistent. I give him that brother's my shot. They are persistent. Consistency you know. in the dawah. Consistency yeah. and persistence yeah. in the dawa. That's what they are. Very persistent. Knocked him on my door again. So, <sighs> so I let him in. He goes, I goes, Look, bro, you know me for a few years now. My life is absolutely rubbish. I'm not got, I haven't got a job, I've got no money. I'm not at college, I'm not educating myself, I'm not doing anything in my life. Because why don't you ask him? Yeah, whatever mate. You know, in one of those sort of attitudes. And he goes, no, just ask him. I say, yeah, yeah, whatever. I so that's him.
0: where you were spiritually? Where you were even questioning Allah's, uh, kind of like his mercy and his forgiveness and his uh, barakah and all that. Yeah. You, you you are at that point then?
1: Wow. Yeah, I, just, then I, I And when you went, I started pondering the thing. I, that, I sat there thinking, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. I'm rock bottom. Nothing can get worse than this. So you know what I mean? I think taking my life would be better. Mm. That's the sort of thoughts I had. So I went upstairs. Got the Quran, dusted it off. and I read it in two days. And lie. my life changed. Immediately. I'm not wallahi brother. Immediately it changed. You read the English One,
0: translation. Start to end
1: in yeah, two days. Within two days. And everything changed. Everything changed. Overnight. Bang. My whole life changed what 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 we call a cold turkey change, It was mad. Subhanallah, just a uh, but I, just, I, I can't fathom it now. am thinking about it now. From that extreme, I won't say it's extreme, but... No, no, there's
0: this, this an extreme in the, in, from a spectrum which is positive. Like yeah. you're in a bad, in a very bad yes. place and you fixed up pretty much instantaneously. Instantaneously, overnight. And then Ramadan came within a week. That, so help, was that must have helped even you. helped
1: me even more. I stopped smoking drugs overnight. Overnight, I stopped drug- smoking drugs. Since I finished the Quran, the last chapter I read, I stopped smoking drugs straight away. And I stopped using foul language. And I started being better with myself slowly. I started going to the Masjid more, started praying. And it just overnight just changed. I just just
0: don't get it. How did your parents take to the change?
1: They couldn't believe it. My mum couldn't believe it. Then she started praying more. And my dad, he was always out and about away. He used He was praying. He was giving the azan and the masjid, yeah. He was always praying. Mashallah. But then he tried to make me come to his side of his. Okay. You know, because uh, he was eldest jamaah Okay. You know, a brother. So he tried to get me to come to his, and I, uh, I was learning. I was going to all different groups to believe. So,
0: so, 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 so let me get. So, so, your father, Rahimahullah. I mean, was. Uh, Brelvi kind of Sufi. He wasn't know? before,
1: you, okay. you, but you got. You,
0: okay, so that's what. Okay. You know. And then you had Tabliki brothers giving you dawah at the doorstep. Then I had the
1: El Hadith brothers giving me dawah when they found out I became Muslim. Okay. And, they, you know, it was just, so, and then so, the HG brothers were. Like so, so, so,
0: so, 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 what happened? Did you go from football hooliganism to now hooliganism?
1: Yeah? <laughs> it was crazy I was getting pulled from one side to the other to the other. I, I was confused. I thought, what am I going to do? Which one's right? You know, because there was so many, But the haram said,
0: lifestyle stopped.
1: Yeah. That stopped.
0: So, 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 so it's like a different world now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, amazing. SubhanAllah. Amazing.
1: And Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Allah took me out of that Bakwas, that evil lifestyle I was doing and brought me to the light because, okay, football hooligans was great. I loved it because it was violence. But it, was, it
0: came with its social yeah, aspects it and lifestyle you, aspects. You.
1: People talk about, in this country, they talk about integration. To be really accepted, you have to assimilate. Yeah. And for me to be a football hooligan, I had to assimilate. I had to drop everything and become just like them. Yeah. I couldn't integrate with them. You had,
0: to, you had to be exactly like them to be accepted. 100%. And it's crazy how now bringing the podcast to a close, we spoke about, from a chronological point of view. that quick? Yeah, 100%. Thank you. Let's we, carry on. <laughs> We've been we be speaking, we be speaking for a good healthy amount of time. But now you're going to Qatar.
1: Yes, inshallah.
0: And we have a uh, fake World Cup here, but it's pretty heavy actually. It's coming home, lads. Is it coming home? Yes, yeah? inshallah. When this episode drops, you're probably going to be in Qatar. Who's getting smashed in Qatar, bruv? Who are you going to smash up? <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to rock up there, St.
1: George, are you? That was <laughs> like half, quarter of a century ago. More than that, I should retired. You know. But Look, you're going to Qatar, yeah, right? I'm going to And ha- And are and you looking forward to it? first World Cup. I'm going to love it. Your first World it's Cup. It's in yeah. a Muslim country, which I love because you're going to hear the azan. You can pray when you want. Everything's halal. Yeah. You don't have to worry about looking for halal food, looking for a masjid, looking yeah. to go to a place to pray. You can pray. You're going to hear the azan five times a day. I'm going to love it. I'm gonna love it.
0: But you sure you're not going to s- smash anyone no, into there?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or, Maybe. A, or, or no extra
0: security for the Qataris? You no? Know? <laughs> like Hispa, you know what? you only allowed like to drink in those quarters. No, but seriously, you're going to Qatar. Yeah. There's been a lot of controversy pertaining to how certain Western countries, including our own, our own government and media and pundits and celebrities, have sadly spoken about some of the things about Qatar's laws and culture, which Let's, let's not be about the Bushes. It's all the aspects are Islamic. Bar the workers, migrants, rights, which is a, a, a just criticism. Let's put that aside. Mm. But the issues pertaining to uh, same-sex relations, public affection laws, uh, alcohol and stadiums, um, these things, sadly, has shown once again how certain powerful elements within our communities and our societies cannot just let things slide. How have, you felt, how have you felt about the coverage? You know, if
1: I went to Qatar with my wife and I start kissing her in public or showing affection in public, I'd get flogged for it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You're not even allowed to do it with your wife. So how did, they, how did the LGBT community expect them to react if you see two men kissing or two women kissing? If we're not allowed to kiss our wives in public.
0: So I think, and I'm, and I'm glad you've actually gave that example because many are unaware that the very anti-LGBT laws that many are criticising Qatar for actually applies to... Heterosexuals and of course. Muslims of course. and non-Muslims, of course. Uh, and it's not just the LGBTQ yeah. community that's being targeted for it's it. It's across board. Yeah, so, that, so the law applies consistent, consistently across the board. But are you feeling a bit like you're going to cut the? are you looking forward to meeting fans? Yeah, of course I am. Yeah? Yeah, uh, I can't do you, wait. Do you think you'll bump into any Leicester English fans? Possibly.
1: Yeah? Yeah, I think there's a few Leicester lads have gone. I think they'd be shocked to see me over there, to be honest with you. But uh, there's a lot of English fans are going as well. And, uh, it'd be nice to see them having have a like, little, you know, ask them about what they think of the country and, you know. Are you watching
0: any of the matches? Are you watching yeah, the Yeah, Hopefully
1: I'll get some tickets out of I'm going with Yusuf Chambers, so hopefully I'll get some oh, tickets could, out You're
0: definitely there. getting no tickets now. You're going to get bought the number one hooligan in a good way. The Dao <laughs> hooligan, mashallah. Um, that's what it is. That's what it is. is. Uh, but no, but just, let's just stay on the topic of Qatar, right? Because, sadly, I don't want you to say anything that will get you into any trouble. But, no, but look. But well, the hypocrisy has been, quite frankly, yeah, it's, just it's, it's been massive. a joke,
1: in it, bro? Look, in Russia, Putin was dead set against LGBT marriage.
0: They, just just used, they used, the, the, used to smash activity. They Yeah, the police are still, yeah. impri- still
1: imprisoning them. Yeah, imprisoning them. They used to get beats. They just, the Cutters ain't doing that. They haven't done that. But there seems to be more focus on Qatar than there were on Russia. And yet these pundits... Alex Scott, for example. Wow. The hypocrisy is on a different Unbelievable. level. Unbelievable. Linic as well. Rio Ferdinand as well, I couldn't believe it. Very they sad to talk, see that. They took photographs of Putin, yet now they're shying about his LGBT stuff, which is a massive hypocrisy.
0: And the mad thing is Russia just recently passed a law. It's called the anti-propaganda law. Think about this, brothers and sisters. Russia allowed the government and the authorities allowed false propaganda to be disseminated across all platforms, namely online, so the LGBT community can actually get beaten and attacked. And only recently they passed an anti-propaganda law that kind of protects the LGBT community from fake news. Qatar hasn't done nothing like that. No. In fact, no Muslim-majority country... It focuses on the LGBTQ no. as, as a group of people who identify as such. So I, I've just found the whole thing very unfortunate. It's left a bad taste at like the first time a World Cup is taking place. And I have my own views about certain compromises that Muslim countries have to also make in accommodating these things yeah. in, from an Islamic point of view. Well, no, people think we're not tolerant. We're, not, we're very tolerant. SubhanAllah, we are so tolerant. I think the best form of tolerance is actually living, accept your differences... Don't impose your your thing on me, and don't I, I will not impose my thing on you. But if you want to engage, if you want to engage and have discourse yeah. about whose ideas are the strongest, that can always happen. Yeah, that's um, always happened through mankind, and that's dawah. Yeah, and, and we're all, and Absolutely. Muslims are always open to having conversations with anyone who believes our religion is false, our religion is a lie, our religion is oppressive. We're open to respectful dialogue, mm. but the kind of hypocrisy has been mad, and I hope I that you experience in Qatar. Is a good one, bro. Inshallah, I think it will be. Yeah, yeah. Just don't get lifted for anything, man. <laughs> I won't say. Come on, and let's yes, have come it. Come on, <laughs> let's have it, mate. Let's have <laughs> it. Riaz, it was an absolute pleasure having it's you, a on, pleasure my bro, on you on the show. No, 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 well, it was absolutely a dream come true, my boy. No, no, no. Likewise, it was a great pleasure having me. I on. mean, I mean, and uh the stories that you shared with us. Uh, it was crazy and I'm inshallah there'll be a part two in season three. It was an absolute honour having on, In season one, bro. three, Allah. Yeah. Inshallah. inshallah. Brothers and sisters, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast as much as I did. Uh, brother Riyaz has some wild stories, subhanallah. And I guess one of the take-home lessons from today's podcast is the importance of family, parents, belonging, brotherhood, Dawah. So many things that we could take from someone who's once a football hooligan. And now he's going to Qatar to engage football fans (laughs) in a completely very different context Uh, I think today's episode was a very special one a very timely one I hope you all enjoyed it if you did enjoy it or even if you didn't enjoy I still need you to subscribe to the Five Pillars YouTube channel and you can find this podcast on all the major audio platforms and until next time as-salamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh Blood Brothers Podcast Five Pillars Production